Amen. Amen. God is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. He is light in the darkness. Aren't you thankful that we serve a way-making God today? Listen, we just sang about it, but I want to pray about it right now, that we would see who He is. As we've been saying, that is who you are. That is who you are. The reality is probably same for you as it is in my life. All this week, I've been hearing about everything else and everybody else and what's going on in my life. And maybe you're tuned in right now, and, and this is the first moment since maybe last Sunday or even longer than that, that you decided to really fix your gaze on who God is. So right now, I want to pray for you, friend. Come on, let's focus in on who he is. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would arrest every distracted thought, arrest everything that wants to grab our attention, arrest every thought that wants to discourage us or cause doubt or fear to occupy the space of our minds. Lord Jesus, you said, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So Jesus, we lift our gaze right now. We lift our spiritual eyes and our hearts heavenward. Lord, we want to see who you are today. You're the Lord. You're in control. You've got this. There's nothing that has caused your kingdom to be shaken. Or, Lord, while our world is being shaken, Lord, heaven is established. Your throne is established. Lord, help us to see who you are today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, are you ready for the word? We're going to get right into the word of God for these next few moments. And I want to just encourage you, as I have for the last three weeks in this series, to welcome Jesus into the atmosphere of your home. We're in a series called Welcome Home Jesus. And we read a verse last week at the end of the message, but I want to start with it today. It's Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, and here's what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Can I tell you right now what the health crisis that we're dealing with is? I'm sure that's why you tuned in. You thought I was going to explain it all, right? Let me tell you what the health crisis is. The health crisis is just part of the all things. See, that verse said, we know that in all things, God works. And can I tell you, that's what this COVID-19 pandemic is. It's just part of the all things. Now, I, know, I know it's been a big deal, and I know it's caused a lot of distress in your life, but the Bible says that God works in all things for the good. So listen, let's see who God is today. Let's lift our eyes up above all of the stuff that's distracted us and, and drawn our time and our attention and our energy in this last week. And just understand that all of this is just a part of the all things that God wants to work for good in your life. Can I tell you today, I want to encourage you, while, while it seems like the watchword uh, is closed lately, <laughs> you know, the, the stores are closed, uh, the, the schools are closed, uh, everything, close your mouth, I mean, come on, everything is closed right now, but can I encourage you to open your heart, come on, open your mind with me for these next few moments, let's see who God is, and let's let him have his way in our hearts and in our lives. Listen, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Jesus doesn't just want to be welcomed into your home. Jesus wants to make your heart his home. And if you'll open up to him, I want to promise you, 
He will move in to the space that you make for Him, and He will begin to do a great work in your life. I absolutely believe it. The, the verse we looked at last week in Hebrews chapter 3 says that for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. And then a couple verses later, it says, and we are His house. We're His house. Can I tell you something about Jesus? When Jesus comes into your house, He brings the tool bag. He comes to do a work. He comes to change some things in your life for the better. And so today, I want to go to a scripture in Psalm chapter 127. And Psalm 127 begins with a warning to those who would choose to keep Jesus out of their home, to those who would choose to build their life without Jesus. So we're going to go to Psalm 127, and I pray that God's blessing would be on this word that I'm speaking and on your ears as you hear it today. Psalm 127 begins like this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Now, I did a word study on all the things done in vain in the Bible. And let me tell you, it would be a long sermon if I walked you through them. I'm not going to walk you through them. Let me just say there are a lot of things that the Bible talks about being done in vain. But the common denominator through all of them is simply this. The main factor that draws them all together is that it was things that were done outside of the favor and the blessing and the assistance of God. And over and over and over again, stories are told of kings and nations and peoples and temples and houses that were built in vain because they didn't do it with the Lord's blessing. And that's what this verse says to us. Jesus told his own story about building on your own. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to come back to Psalms 127, but I just want to go to Matthew 7 really quick because Jesus talked about what it looks like to build your house the right way and what it looks like to build your house the wrong way. He said in Psalm chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, now that's key, is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because... It had its foundation on the rock. But that's not the only builder in this story. He goes a little farther in verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Again, there's the key. That person is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house. By the way, sounds like the same exact storm that the wise builder faced. They were all going through the same storm, the wise and the foolish builders, but this time it says, and it fell with a great crash. What was the difference? The wise builder and the foolish builder, they both experienced the same storm. The wise builder and the foolish builder, they both heard the word of the Lord. The wise builder made a decision to hear the word and to put it into practice. See, there's the difference. And Jesus said, if you're going to be a wise builder, you, you can't just stop with hearing what my word says. You've got to do something with it. 
See, making the Lord the builder of your house is it's not about stepping aside and just expecting Jesus to do all the work and say, well, the Lord is the builder. And, and the psalmist said, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So I'm just going to let Jesus do all the work. No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. When you say, Jesus, I want you to be the builder of my home, the builder of my house, the builder of my life. What you're recognizing is that he is the chief architect. You're recognizing that, that Jesus is the foreman. And yes, he comes in carrying the tool bag. But listen, friend, you've got a job to do too. You've got to listen. You've got to be on the job to receive instruction and to do what he tells you to do. And the one that does that, Jesus said, is a wise builder. You know what? That means you're going to come out on the other side of this storm. It means no matter what you're facing and what you're going through right now, the wind will blow, the torrent will come against your house, but it's going to be built on a foundation that is stable. And that foundation, that rock, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, look with me at the next part of the first verse in Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Can you get this picture in your mind of cities that have walls around them, a walled city? And on the city wall, there stands a guard. His job is to, to look out to see if the enemy's coming. Now, now, think about that picture in your mind. And he said, if it's not the Lord that's there, if it's not the Lord that's standing watch over the city, then the guards stand watch in vain. You know, I just get the sense today that there's a lot of people that are on guard duty. In fact, you've been pulling double shifts. You've been pulling the night shift. There's a lot of people right now. We're so guarded. I mean, we're guarding from this disease. We're guarding our faces when we go outside. We're guarding our children. We're guarding against everything in our lives. And some of you, you've been on constant guard duty for seven weeks now. It's exhausting, isn't it? I mean, come on. It's okay to admit it. Some of us, we're just worn out. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm preaching to myself today as much as I'm preaching to you. It can be exhausting. Now, I, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't take caution. We absolutely should. We should use caution in, in all of those things. But, but how's it working for you to be the guard on duty? I mean, how many directions can you really watch at one time? I mean, okay, so you're watching out for this virus. Good. You should. You should be careful. You should be cautious. We don't want to get sick. But you know, we're praying for one of the seniors in our church for the last week because he fell down the stairs and broke several bones. So are you taking precaution in your home? I mean, are you, are, are you making sure everything's safe, making sure there's no trip hazards, making sure there's nothing that could, uh, that could you know, cause damage in your life? I mean, take those extra precautions. But you know what? We're praying for another family who lost their job. So how's that going? Are you keeping your eye on your finances? How's the portfolio look? Because you got, you got to watch that direction too. You know, we're praying for another family in our church right now who said their son has disowned them. Next Sunday's Mother's Day, and they said he now refers to his mom by her first name. So how's the family situation going? Are you, keep, you keeping your eye on that? Because we can be watching our finances and we can be watching... Uh, we can be watching our family situation and we can be watching the news and watching what's going on in every other situation in our lives. But I just saw in the news this morning that Iran is developing intercontinental ballistic missiles right now. 
So you keeping your eye on that too? So you understand what I'm saying. It's not that we shouldn't be watchful. It's not that we shouldn't be careful. The point is this. You can't watch every side. You can't do it. I can't do it. And the psalmist said, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards, they stand watch in vain. You know, in 2018, I went tandem skydiving, went to do a birthday celebration, jumped out of a, an airplane, strapped to someone else, and 25 minutes after we landed safely on the ground, one of the guys that I jumped with got in his car, drove down the road, and got into a car accident and totaled his truck. You can't watch every side. You can't, you can't worry about everything at one time. And truth be told, it wouldn't help you if you could. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble trouble of its own. What am I saying? I'm saying what the psalmist said. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Can I just encourage you, if you're in a place right now where you feel like your world is spinning out of control, you feel like you are dizzy from trying to keep your eye on all the moving targets and all the things that might do damage to your life or to those that you love, can I just encourage you? Take a break. I mean it. I mean, take a break today. Let this be the moment. Come down out of your watchtower of worry and trust that God is in the position to watch over your life, to guard you, and to keep you. Listen, you don't have to be the sentinel of your life if the sovereign God is Lord of your life. He's watching over you. He's got you. You can come down out of that watchtower. And when you, when you say, welcome home, Jesus, and you invite him to that place of, of lordship, that's the phrase they use in this psalm. He's the Lord. When you invite him into that place, he's going to build your life. But he's not just going to build your life. He's also going to guard the gate. He wants to build your house and guard your gate. Now look with me at the next portion of verse 2. It says, in vain, you rise early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat. This is the third time, by the way, that he says in vain. I think he's trying to get us to understand something about our own efforts. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord's watching, it's all in vain, he says. Early you rise and you stay up late, toiling for food. Listen, when you invite Jesus into your home, understand this. You're not doing him any favors. I mean, he's not homeless, okay? Jesus doesn't need your company. When you invite Jesus into your home, it's not for anything that he needs. It's because you understand and you recognize that I can't do this by myself. I am not able to make it on my own. If he doesn't come in, I'm lost. If he doesn't come in and take over, I fall asleep on watch duty. I'm going to miss something. I'm going to botch something up in my life. And you recognize when you say, welcome home, Jesus, you're saying, Jesus, I need you to take control. I need you to be the master builder. And I need you to be my guard. I need you to look out for my life. It said, otherwise you rise early and you stay late at night in toil looking for food. Listen, nothing wrong with rising early. 
You know, the, the old adage, the early bird gets the worm. Nothing right, wrong with going, being assertive and getting up early. And by the way, nothing wrong with staying up late too. I know lots of people that they, they work best at night. They're the ones that always, you know, they quote that statement, the early bird gets the worm. And then they say, well, how'd that work out for the worm? <laughs> you know, they're the night owls. Nothing wrong with either of those. But understand this, when you do both, it doesn't say they stay up, they get up early, or they stay up late. It says, and. It says, you rise early and you stay up late. And can I just tell you, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you are moving outside of the pace of grace. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but grace has a pace. There's a tempo, there's a timing to the favor and the goodness of God. The Bible says this, the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He said, let us not become weary in doing good. A lot of us have felt that way recently. You're just, you're just weary. You're trying to do all the right things, but you're weary. He said, don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not Give up. You know when the proper time is? I'm going to give you the theological answer for how to discern the proper time. Here it is. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. You don't get to set the proper time. I mean, listen, we, we love, as the church, I mean, we, we love to declare things like, it's my time. It's my season for blessing. It's my season for harvest. It's my day for a miracle. And that all sounds good too, but apparently it's also your day to sit on the couch in quarantine and not go anywhere. The reality is you don't choose. I don't choose. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing because at the proper time, at God's proper time, you're going to receive a harvest if you faint not. I, I love the promise of Isaiah chapter 40. We often quote it. You, you often see it printed places. Verse 31, it's a beautiful promise, and here's what it says. But those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's an awesome promise. It's when you put your hope in the Lord, it says your strength is going to be renewed. But the reason your strength is renewed when you hope in the Lord is because you are moving at the pace of grace. Because when you're hoping in the Lord, you know when it's time to soar like an eagle. And you know when it's time to run and not grow weary. And because you're hoping in the Lord, you don't get ahead of Him. You don't get antsy. You know when it's time to walk and not faint. There's a pace to God's grace. You know, Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Ten commandments that God gave us. The first three have to do with your relationship with God. The next six have to do with your relationship with people. But right in the middle, right between those three and the other six, you've got the Sabbath. You know what I've discovered about my life? If I don't keep that one, I don't have the stamina to do well with the first three, my relationship with God, 
or my relationship with people. If, if, I don't, if I don't honor Sabbath, if I don't rest in the Lord. But look at this incredible promise that we have. Go back to Psalm 127 with me. Here's what it says. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Come on. That's a promise right there. Somebody needs to grab a hold of. Listen, he gives perfect, he, he grants sleep to those he loves. And can I just tell you, in case you're not making the same assumption that I make when I read it, I want to tell you, you are loved. You are absolutely loved by God. And you might push back from that and go, well, well, how do you know? You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Listen, friend, I know you are loved by God. And the reason I know is because he, saved, he paid the same price for you that he paid for me. He paid the same price for you that he paid to save every other person that calls on his name. In fact, Revelation chapter 5 tells us there's a song that's being sung in heaven about him today. And it says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. He paid the highest price for you because he loves you. And, and here's the pace of his grace. He says he wants to give sleep to those he loves. Jesus said this. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In, in other words, what Jesus was saying is this. Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift that he's given to you. You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. Because Sabbath is holy. That's what it said in Exodus 20. We just read it a moment ago. Keep the Sabbath holy unto the Lord. Listen, the Sabbath was the seventh day in creation, right at the beginning of Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis 1, God creates everything in six days, and then it says on the seventh day, because he was done, because he had created it all, the Lord rested. It was the seventh day at the end of all of his work. And a lot of times we, we kind of live as if it's our seventh day. We live as if, if I can ever get all my work done, if I can ever get everything completed, if I can check all the boxes and, and get it all done, then I'll collapse into a day of rest at the end. But can I just tell you, friend, the seventh day was the Sabbath for God, but man was created on the sixth day. So Sabbath doesn't come at the end of the week for man after all the work's been done and all the labors happen. No, Sabbath starts at the beginning. Sabbath is, is not us resting because we've worn ourselves out. Sabbath is us resting in what God has already done. While man was still sleeping in the dust and God hadn't even breathed into his nostrils, the Bible says God created everything for him, everything that he would need. He created the fruit. He created water. He created sun. He created the animals. He did everything for him. And Sabbath is our way of saying, I'm going to rest in what God has done for me. And it's not just rest in what God has done. It's rest in what God is doing. It's the reality that while I sleep, God is still watching. God is still building. God rested on the seventh day of creation, but the Bible also tells us that he did that as a pattern for us so that we could understand the cycle that he created us, so that we could understand the rhythm and the pace of grace because the Bible also says that God never slumbers and he never sleeps. 
which means he never takes a day off, which means you can relax, which means it's not on you to keep the dizzying pace of keeping up with all of the things that we have to be careful of or fearful of or worry about. It's not up to you to build it all by yourself. There's a pace that God wants you to move at. See, what happens is when, when you watch, when you do all the watching, you worry. But when, when God watches, you rest. And, and I just believe today that's what God wants to give some of us. He wants to give you rest. I got to tell you, there's a lot of things that I, I hate about this whole situation we're in. There's a lot of things that I do not like about being quarantined. And, and even now, I'm, I'm pre-recording uh, this message for you. This is the first time in my life that I've spent Sunday mornings sitting on the couch with my kids. Now, for some people, that's normal. That's every Sunday. I'm telling you, for me, that's never been the case. And, and the Sabbath, by the way, doesn't have to be on Sunday. It's a principle. Remember, man was given the Sabbath, not made for the Sabbath. It's not a, a bondage that we have to come under. But I got to tell you, I, I am enjoying, as much as I hate not being with my church family, as much as I, I dislike preaching into a camera instead of into your eyes, I am enjoying the moments of rest that God is giving me. But we can squander those moments with worry if we forget that we are not the sentinel of our lives. The sovereign God is. He sits in the watchtower. He watches over our coming and our going. Now, I want to take a couple minutes quickly and, and I want to just, I want to give you a final thought. I want to encourage you to just consider something with me and, and, and I want to pray for you. In fact, I, I wanted to go through the rest of these verses, but, but I'm not going to. I don't, I don't even have time to unpack it. Can you believe it? We, we only got through two verses. Well, if you go to church here, you can believe it. That's pretty standard for me. But I want to pray for you. Because I just have this sense that, that God wants to bring rest to your soul. I don't want you to miss the blessing of this season. Now, now let me say this. I, I understand that, that not everybody's situation is the same. Some of you, you're burning the candle at both ends because you're working long hours. You're, you're meeting yourself coming and going and meeting your family coming and going. And, and, and I recognize that, that we're not all in the same place. And, and I don't want to presume that everybody's just sitting at home with nowhere to go and nothing to do. But I think I can safely assume this. Every one of us, we've been tempted more than a few times to build on our own ingenuity, to build on our own strength. We've been tempted more than a few times to be the watchman or the watchwoman of our lives and to, to carry a burden that, that God never intended you to carry. I want you to hear it again. Unless the Lord is the builder of your house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. I want to pray for you today. And we're going to go back into another song of worship here for just a few moments. And as we get ready to, to move into one more song and to just worship the Lord. I want to encourage you. Don't get in a hurry. Come on, don't, don't log off. Don't get distracted. Hear the heart of your Savior 
calling you right now and inviting you in. He's inviting you. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, come to me all who are weary, all who are under a heavy burden. And what's he going to do? Did he say, come to me and and I'll, I'll show you a miracle? Come to me and I'll teach you a lesson? Come to me and I'll bless you financially? No. He said, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. As much as I can't wait for the next season, I recognize that that's my natural inclination. I'm always looking for the next thing. Even if I'm in a good thing, I'm still looking for the next thing. But I believe God wants you to be right where you are right now. I believe God wants me to be right where I am right now. On Sunday morning, sitting on the couch with my family, Sunday night in my home, resting, meditating on his word. Why? Because all of this, it's the all things. It's the all things. And regardless of what caused the circumstance you're dealing with right now, we serve a God who lives and operates above all of the causes in all of the effects to fulfill his purpose and his plan in your life. And so I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to take these last few moments to engage in the chat, in the comment section. If you've got a prayer, lift it up. Our, our hosts are, are right here in this moment, ready to pray for you. Our church family, we're ready to pray with you, ready to pray for you. Whatever it is you need in your life, let Jesus be the builder. Let Jesus be the guard. Let him give you rest and let him keep you in the pace of his grace that he has for you in this season. Come on, let's go before the Lord together in Jesus' name.